So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space, Human Limit 102. My name is Jan Keeley. Thank you again for joining me this morning, and joining us, should I say, this morning. And it's the 28th of January, the fourth Sunday in Ordinary Time, the last Sunday in January. Joining me to present the programme again this morning, I have Lorraine Buckley. Good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, John, and good morning, listeners. I'm very well, thank you, for the end of January. Uh, I tell you, for the second part of the programme, seeing as though you had a bit of a dust <laughs> last week, we're going to put a little bit more pressure on you this week. And Anne, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, John. Morning, listeners. And it's John. It's again, this is for the second time of the week now. Uh, second time, lads, I've got two holy women joining me. Shane. I tell you, I mean, I should be okay over this side of the world. How are you there and somewhere in Skyplan? Good morning to you. I'm not too bad there, John, this morning, I have to say. If this keeps up, I'd actually be able to take a holiday. <laughs> no, forget that now, pal. No, no, no. You know women now, you know, they can change their mind and all that. Listen, that's Shane. The ladies, that's the ladies. <laughs> You're not supposed to say that, Shane. Good morning to you anyway, Shane, and thanks again. Good and, and, morning. And, and th- How are we keeping th- thanks, thanks, guys, for for joining me this morning to present this another edition of Sacred Space, which again has been recorded in our Commercy studio here in Arda. Um, of course, we welcome especially those people who are sick, lonely, housebound, under pressure, those people who listen to the programme every week and get some hope and get some encouragement from the programme. We're delighted you're here with us and stay with us for the next hour where hopefully we will uh, bring you some some good news, which will include, in part two of the programme, we have an interview with Karen Casey, who's a volunteer manager with Trocra, who's going to tell us a little bit more about the initiative, the Limerick uh, Diocesan Trocra Parish Volunteer Programme. But in the meantime, thank you again for joining us. If you want to contact the station at all during the week, it's 69 or you can write a letter into or a note into Sacred Space, care of West Limit 102 Radio, Sheehan's Road, Newcastle West. Or you can email me, and that's on sacredspace102 at gmail.com. And of course, people would be aware of this stage. Uh, this program is re- repeated again tonight on West Limit 102 Local Radio at 11 pm. And this and any other program can be heard via a podcast and our blog, which is www.sacredspace102.blogspot.com. Again, Shane, thank you very much indeed for all the work you're doing in regard to putting up um, the program each week for us and uh, and also all the other bits and pieces that you get from somewhere around the Catholic world every <laughs> every week. Where you get them all from, Shane, I don't know. But I, I assume I assume you do some work as well in between, do you, when you go to sleep and all the rest of it? <laughs> I wonder, I wonder. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed yeah. for that, Shane. Now, no but, but, but part of what you do for us every week on the programme is enlighten us as to who our celestial guides, as you call them, will be accompanying us this week. Uh, so, Shane, who, who would you like us to find out a little bit more about this week, please? Sure, John. So, as you said, it's the last uh, Sunday in January. You're kind of going to yourself, my God, where did that go? Um, so today, obviously, is the fourth Sunday in Ordinary Time. So for those praying the Psalter, we're on week four. Um, because it is Sunday, we don't actually celebrate the feast of St. Thomas Aquinas this year. So that's who normally we'll be celebrating on the 28th of January. Now, on the 29th of January, we celebrate the feast day. Now, this is an interesting one. I really had to go digging on the calendar for this one. Uh, because there's nothing on the Irish Ordo. And when you go into the Universal Calendar, it gets a bit complicated. So I picked out an interesting one. There's a guy called St. Blath of Kildare. 
That's B-L-A-T-H. Sorry, that's, it's a woman. I beg your pardon. Okay. She was a lay sister and cook in Kildare's in the convent of St. Bridget. And that's all we know about her. Um, so it, that's an interesting one. So she died in 523 AD. Then moving on to the 30th of January, I had a slight issue with this particular day <laughs> because looking at the calendar online, I was getting the feast day of, say, of Blessed uh, Columba Marion. Now, the problem is, Columba Marmot is celebrated on the Irish calendar on the 3rd of October. So, on the, uni- on the Irish calendar on the 30th of uh, January, we celebrate two of our Irish martyrs. That's Blessed Margaret Ball and Blessed Frances Taylor. Now, Margaret Ball in particular is associated with Dublin. She was, uh, she was an elderly woman and imprisoned in the harsh conditions of Dublin Castle. And actually, if memory serves, she was actually betrayed by her own son. And she, the castle, the, the conditions that she was in prison and wore this old lady's house. And she died in 1584. And she would have been one of the, the 17 Irish uh, martyrs beatified by John Paul II in 1992. The other one is Francis Taylor, and he's a Dublin, another Dublin-related uh, martyr. And he was elected mayor of Dublin in 1595, and he was in prison for seven years, in, and he died in 1621 at the age of 70. So that's who we have on the 30th of January. Now, on the 31st of January, we have a very popular saint, and that is Saint John Bosco. Of course, John Bosco is very much associated with Turin in northern Italy. He was born in 1815 in Piedmont in Italy, I think is how you pronounce it. And he, of course, is the son of Venerable Margaret Bosco. His mother, uh, Margaret, is, uh, her cause is also pending in, uh, for, for canonization. His father died when he was young, and John, was, Don John, or John as he was known, was very much involved in supporting his family. And he was known for going to circuses, fairs, and carnivals, practicing the tricks that he saw, and entertaining other youngsters that he met, and afterwards reciting the homily of the day that he'd previously heard. He worked as a tailor, a baker, a shoemaker, a carpenter, while putting himself through college and seminary, and he was ordained in 1851. He worked very much with young people as a teacher, teaching catechism, and also giving them practical skills. And in 1859, he founded the Salesians of Don Bosco, who are priests and brothers who work with and educate young boys under the protection of Our Lady Help of Christians. And he also founded the Daughters of Mary, Help of Christians, in 1872. So that's, that's uh, Don Bosco on the 31st of January. Now, 31st of January, obviously, of course, is Wednesday. So then, obviously, Thursday is a biggie in the Irish calendar. It is the 1st of February. It is the first day of spring, and which, of course, means it is the feast day of St. Bridget, co-patroness, secondary patron of Ireland, abbess, associated, obviously, very much with County Kildare, where her uh, where her her ab, uh, her abbey was uh, was founded, very much renowned in Irish tradition and folklore for her hospitality and almsgiving and care of the sick, uh, she received the veil and spiritual formation probably from Saint Mel, and stayed for a period under his direction in Armagh, and, other, and she founded what was called a double monastery in Kildare. Now, a double monastery is a monastery of both men and women. Uh, with the bishop, with Bishop Conlet, and she died in 524. Uh, her, her, her following, her, 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 the veneration of her, of course, at this stage is a worldwide 
um, phenomenon. And of course, one of the great things that's associated with St. Bridget is the tradition of the St. Bridget's Day crosses, which Bridget is used, supposed to have used to explain the Christian faith uh, to as, uh, an ill man as he lay in his bed. Then on the second, of course, we move into one of the big feasts of the calendar, and that is the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord. Uh, it's also known more uh, colloquially as Candlemas Day. Uh, it used to be known as the Feast Day of the Purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and it also happens to be the World Day for Consecrated Life. So I'll break each of those down. So it's the Presentation of the Lord. So it is officially, if you like, in the old calendar, the pre-Vatican II calendar, it is the last day of the Christmas season. And it's very much associated with um, Jesus being taken to the temple in adherence to the Mosaic Law, uh, where his parents will have um, uh, uh, presented him to the Lord. Um, it's 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 tr- associated very much with candles because the tradition has been that on candle on the February second, candles for usage in the church and in home for the following twelve months are blessed. Hence, the candle the tradition of Candlemas Day. And it is, and it of course revolves. The great reading of the day is the prayer, the reading of the prayer of Simeon, the Nook Dementis, you know, where he recognizes Christ as the light to reveal God to all the nations. So that's on Friday, which is the second of February. Then on the third of February, which is next Saturday, obviously we have the feast day of Saint Blaise, which of course means it is the feast day for the blessing of the troats. Now, um, Saint Blaise, unfortunately, we don't know a whole lot about him. He was a bishop in Arme- and martyred in Armenia, and the tradition holds that he was a physician who, before he became a bishop, and he is supposed to have uh, saved someone from choking on a fishbone. Hence, the reason he's associated with diseases of the throat. Now, what will probably happen is simply he only gets a day out on his feast day, John, which is the third of February. But technically, you can invoke his intercession for sore throats any day of the year. But it's particularly on his feast day that it's taken out. Now, I know in some parishes what will happen on the Saturday is there will be the blessing of the throats at the masses over the weekend for the Sunday. So that'll probably be the Saturday evening and the Sunday morning. And that's perfectly okay. That's perfectly okay um, as well in case people would be wondering about it. Now, obviously, as it is the 2nd of February, that's the first Friday of the month. Saturday is the first Saturday of the month. And as it's the beginning of February, we have the Pope's intentions for February which is that those who have material, political, or spiritual power may resist any lure of corruption, which in this day and age, we'd want to be offering up quite a lot of novenas for that particular intention for the Holy Father. So, John, that's what we have in the coming week in terms of celestial guides. Well, did you have any questions? First Friday, first Friday, and first Saturday as well this week, I mean, is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shane, now congratulations, because uh, you, you said you were fighting to trying to get somebody for Monday. But, um, I mean, last week you went all the way back as far as able. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I have confidence in you, no, no, matter where, no matter what calendar you're looking at. You'll find some calendar with some saints somewhere. Uh-huh. Thank you, Shane, for that. At this part of the program, <clears throat> um, we might go for our spiritual communion prayer, and that's for those, uh, those who are sick, uh, who can't get to Mass this morning but would very much like to receive Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, but this is a spiritual communion prayer. Thank you, Anne. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul, since I now cannot receive you sacramentally. Come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. 
Amen. Thank you for that. <clears throat> so now we'll go for our first bit of music, and this one is by Liam Lawton, and this one is entitled Benedictus. So let's hear this. Sacred Space. So, welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space. My name is John Keeley. Uh, thank you again for staying with us this morning. And as promised, um, joining me to uh, let us know a little bit more about Troker this morning, uh, it's a pleasure for me to introduce to our listeners uh, Karen Casey, who's a volunteer manager with Troker. Good morning to you. How are you? I'm good, John. Thanks very much. And 
thanks for having me on the show this morning. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, we do have Troker on a number of times uh, during the year, if we can. But it's nice to have somebody else on like yourself, maybe giving us a little bit different slant in terms of volunteering and so on and so forth. But you might just remind our listeners again, uh, Karen, like who are Troker and what do they do? Sure, no problem at all. Um, so I suppose Trokra is the overseas development agency of the Catholic Church. Um, and we are coming into our 45th year now in existence. Okay. And we would have been set up back in 1973 by the bishops of Ireland. And we were set up at the time, I suppose, as a Lenten fund, if you like, um, in response to terrible flooding in Bangladesh at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose fast forward 45 years now and we're working in over 20 countries and that would be across Africa, Asia, the Middle East and Central America. And in most countries where we are working and, and certainly in, in the 20 or we say 17 countries anyway, we would have offices and we would have staff based in those offices. In countries where we don't have what's called a country office, we would work through a network called Caritas Internationalis, which Mm -hmm. is a network of about 190 Catholic development agencies. And so, for example, when the typhoon hit um, in the Philippines a couple of years ago, people might remember, Trocra doesn't have an office in the Philippines, Mm -hmm. but through our sister agency, Caritas Philippines, we were able to obviously... Uh, direct all of the, the, the funds that the Irish public so generously donated to Trokra, and we were able to work through our sister agency to make sure that that money was used for the, 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 the right work with the right people in the Philippines at that time. Okay, okay. So, um, just on to the point that we want to address this morning... The Limerick Diocese is involved with yourself, I believe, in, in, in um, introducing a Trocra volunteer or parish volunteer programme. How is and that going to That's right, John, and, and this is a, a really exciting development for uh, Trocra. And I suppose just following on from the, 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 the point there about offices around the world, mm-hmm. we also have a number of offices in Ireland. And you know, sometimes one can forget that we also have a programme of work in Ireland. And that programme of work is very much about raising awareness of the work we do overseas and, of course, you know, raising funds from from the Irish people for that work. Mm -hmm. But the raising awareness part of it is is where the the parish volunteer programme resides. Um, So it would be all about, you know, engaging with a key audience for us, which is obviously church. Um, And going back maybe, uh, probably back to 2015, um, which was where this idea of a parish volunteer programme came from. And it actually wasn't us that came up with it. It was actually two different dioceses around the country at the time who had experienced Trocra staff working with them during our Lenten campaign. And the feedback that, that we got was, like, don't just go now that Lent is over, like we'd like to continue this relationship and this deeper engagement about what you're doing, why you're doing it, and the impact that it's having. And those two dioceses were Kerry and Armagh. So we started to pilot this notion of parish volunteers um, raising awareness about Trocra's work. So very simply, practical ways of, in a parish, highlighting the work that we were doing, 
the impact that that work was having and thanking parishioners for their support of Throkra. So in terms of the parish volunteer programme, it's not coming from a place of fundraising. We do that in a different way, you know, in different campaigns. This was very much about telling the story of those voiceless people overseas. So then fast forward, we'll say, into last year, 2017, and we looked to the Diocese of Cloyne, um, because Bishop William Crean, um, who's the Bishop of Cloyne, is also the chair of Thropra. And then um, we got wind that the Diocese of Limerick had come out of its synod, uh, had developed a diocesan pastoral plan, and one of the themes in the pastoral plan was around social justice. So we started to talk to some of the team there in the um, Pastoral Centre, the Limerick Diocesan Pastoral Centre, the likes of Noreen Lynch, Rose O'Connor and Father Derek Leonard. And it, they obviously took it to Bishop Eady and he was very interested in this notion of a, a parish volunteer initiative with Trokra and saw it as really connecting with uh, the Diocese of Limerick and the Pastoral Plan. So, it's about to start now, is it, or has it already started? So, it's already started in that we put a call out. So, there was a, back at the end of September of last year, there was a big diocesan assembly in the Castle Troy Park Hotel. Mm-hmm. And I went along, and there was about 300 people in the room, and, and I, I, I set out my stall, if you like. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, very easy to do as well when you're a Limerick person yourself, as I am. I'm originally from Croom in County Limerick. Good. Um, and uh, very warm audience. And, and, you know, we started it from there. Yeah, okay. And we put the call out to parishes and to and via parish and pastoral area councils that we had this parish volunteer programme. Uh, it was very light touch and not too demanding time-wise or too onerous on people if they wanted to get involved and that we would invite volunteers to come together perhaps three times a year to hear about our work, to be informed and to be inspired. And then at those sessions, we would provide them with very practical ways to support Stroker's work in parishes to help us raise awareness. And we had our first gathering at the end of November last year. Mm-hmm. And we had about a cohort of about 10 um, interested individuals turned up, and um, they we, we talked about what it was all about and about our work and then we did a very simple task in the run up to Christmas because we at Christmas time we have our gifts campaign and all we asked them to do was put out some leaflets maybe in their church or in their local parish centre put up some posters mm-hmm. and that's simply all, all they had to do so now we're coming up to our biggest um, I suppose public engagement and fundraising campaign which is, is the Troker Lenting campaign and People are very familiar, obviously, with the Trokera box, and lots of people have grown up with it, including myself. Mm-hmm. And so um, we ha- have put a call out again through various parish and diocesan channels. And obviously, me speaking on on your radio program now this morning, you know, is, 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 is one of those channels as well. Mm-hmm. To invite, um, obviously, the people that turned up at the end of November, I've been in touch with those people. And anybody else at this stage, it's never too late to get involved in something like this. And we have another gathering on the 30th of January, 7 o'clock, in the Woodlands Hotel in Adair. Again, I'm sure well known to, to a lot of your listeners. And we're going to bring people together. And it's, 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 it's like a come and see, if you like. Um, and the existing people who are with us in November, they're going to come back as well. And we'll talk about um, our Lenten campaign for 2018, 
our focus country is Sierra Leone. Um, people may recall, obviously, the Ebola crisis back in 2014, but more recently then, the, la- the landslide, the mud landslide that hit the capital, Freetown, yeah. uh, back in August of 2017. So we're working, our, our focus family this year is a, is a family whose house was demolished, their entire livelihood wiped out when that mudslide hit. And they were only, they were, they were in the 20% that survived that mudslide. And it's all about rebuilding lives after that, after Ebola, etc. So we'll be talking to the parish volunteers about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will be sharing with them, again, very practical, easy ways that they can highlight the, the Choker's Lenten campaign in their parish um, from, from Ash Wednesday, which, which as we know is the 14th of February. And you know it, it's great that, um, that 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 the support is coming from you guys in Trokra, and no doubt even around the pastoral area or parish that there'll be support. But I suppose some people might be listening to the program and thinking, maybe I'm not good enough. So, what, what sort of skills or qualities do I need to have to to be able to help out in this area? Beyond which, yeah, and that's a really good question. Um, you know, I mean. We often get, um, we often hear the comments from, from people, um, you know, um, people in general, but people who are showing interest in our volunteer programme. Look, you know, I'm seeing what's happening on the news. I'm reading it in the newspaper. I'm hearing it on the radio. And I want to do, so, I want to help in some way. And sometimes those people will donate money and sometimes they want to do more than that. Mm. And sometimes people, you know, they don't have the money to donate, but they still want to help. They just want to feel they're making a difference. That's one of the biggest motivators. So, to be honest with you, if you're a person that just simply wants to do something, that is probably one of the best skills or the best qualities that you could bring to the volunteer program. Okay. And that you're coming just with that sense of, I, I want to help, I want to do something, you know, um, that desire, I suppose, to make a difference. Um, I mean, we would also then suggest that you know that you know you'd have a willing may- willingness maybe to collaborate with others that might be in the 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 the, the parish uh, for example if there's already a, a, a team in the parish that maybe for example looks after the sacred space mm. in the church mm. we're not suggesting that the troker parish volunteer comes in and takes over that mm. we're just simply suggesting that the troker parish volunteer would know that well mary do- and and johnny do mm. the sacred space mm. so in the run-up to Lent, I'm going to go and have a chat with them, mm. and I'm going to suggest maybe one of the at the one of the weekend masses during Lent, would we maybe put in a, um, a, a theme sacred space around Troker and the work that they do? Good idea. Um, mm. And it's you know it's prompting, mm. and it's under- and that's the, the beauty of this with parish volunteers. They know and understand their own parish community mm. and the nuances and who does what and when, and it's just about you know helping you know, uh, raise awareness of Troker's work in the right way, mm. not us, you know, coming in and, and, and wanting to take over anyway, in any way because that is not what it is about at all. And I suppose the other thing I'd like to say to that as well is that, you know, and I've heard this as well about the parish volunteer programme, some people said, oh no, that wouldn't be for me now yeah. because I'm not going to stand up and talk in front of uh, a group mm. of people mm. and I'm not going to stand up at mass and, you know, they'd rather chew their, their arm off, quite honestly, yeah, John. Yeah. You know, because mm. some people just don't like public speaking. And again, that is not something that we expect of people. Some people are very comfortable in that space. Mm. And it is something that they can do as part of their parish volunteering with us during Lent, if they so wish, 
but it's not an expectation from us that people would be standing up, you know, at mass, you know, talking or, or anything like that. But certainly if somebody wants to, we'll support them and offer them the training to do that. Um, yeah, so we will have the existing people. We've, we've reached out to them and many of them can make it on the night, on the 30th. Um, and we're delighted that they'll make it along again. And um, But, you know, obviously we'd love to get some more um, people involved in the initiative in the Diocese of Limerick. And we're not, there's no expectation either on us that we're going to have, you know, somebody from every single parish across the diocese. Appreciate that, I yeah. mean, if we had a cohort of about 20 parish volunteers in the Diocese of Limerick, because that number of people, you know, with, with clustering that goes on at parish level, you know, you'd have good representation across a, a number of, of parishes in that instance. I mean, I'm thinking of like Armagh and Cloyne, um, you know, and Kerry, where we already have these groups up and running. I mean, you're talking an average of between 15 to 20 parish volunteers in a diocese. Um, and and the, the, what we try and aim for as well as we, as we grow and develop the programme in a diocese is that you would reach a point where you might have two or three in the one pastoral area. There's a body system there. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm, so mm. again, as I say, it's not per parish, but you might have maybe two or three per pastoral area, and they're just helping each other out. I, you know, I think it's a wonderful idea, especially for those people who, as you say from time to time, say, I'd love to do something else. I'd love to get involved somehow, yeah. but maybe there's little bits that I can get involved with and maybe there's bits that I can't. So I assume the next step for people to do is to turn up to the Woodlands, is it, at 7pm? Yeah, so the next step really is, you know, just for people and particularly anybody listening to the programme this morning that's, you know, thinking, hmm, I kind of like the sound of that. Mm. You know, I'd like to hear a bit more about it. And and by turning up on the 30th of January, you're not signing away your life or committing, you know, to anything. You're coming Mm -hmm. along, it's come and see, you're coming along to, to see what it's all about. So to turn up, at the Woodlands Hotel in Adair on the 30th of January. It's a Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. We'll have some tea and coffee for people when they arrive. And we'll talk to them about, you know, throw about the parish volunteer programme, but then very, very much about the upcoming Lenten campaign. I mean, if people want to, in advance of that, um, find out a little bit more, um, there's two contacts. There's myself um, at Trocra, uh, while I am a Limerick woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm based up in Maynooth in County Kildare in our in our head office, um, and um, you know any any kind of a, a search at all would 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 get you the the main contact number there for Trocra in Maynooth. Mm-hmm. Um, or alternatively, there is my 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 counterpart there in the Limerick Diocesan Pastoral Centre there on Denmark Street, Noreen Lynch. And Noreen, um, and Noreen would be very happy to to. Um, you know, to, 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 to provide people with further information as well. And Noreen can be contacted on 061-400-133. That's 061-400-133. Noreen Lynch in the Limit Day Austin Pastoral Centre. Listen, Karen, thanks a lot for coming on and, and, and sharing that with us this morning because I'm sure maybe it's something that some people might have been thinking about for quite some time, wasn't available. Now is the chance. Yeah, absolutely. And and I suppose that the last thing I'd like to say, John, is because, you know, I've heard this as well before. This, these are all lessons learned from the pilots and rolling out the programme in other dioceses. Mm. I mean, you know, th- people often associate Troker with, oh, they're looking for money. That's fundraising. Mm. And I can quite honestly say that this programme is not coming from a place of fundraising. It is coming from a place of raising awareness, informing people, sh- demonstrating the impact of uh, that we make overseas. 
and thanking people for that support. Yes, if, if, if somebody hears a volunteer talking about their work and they're motivated to donate to us or to fundraise for us, that's absolutely fine. But we're not asking these parish volunteers to fundraise for us or to go around shaking buckets. We really want um, more people sharing our stories. You know, we're about over 100 staff in Ireland, but there's 60 of us work purely in the public engagement realm of our work. So that's 60 people for a country with, what, 5 million people in it. Mm. So the more parish volunteers we can have spreading the message, raising the awareness of our work, of course then, you know, the, the, the better it is, you know, for, for those vulnerable communities overseas that we're supporting. Karen, again, thanks a lot for coming on. Um, appreciate all the work. Thank you very much for having me, John. That sort of troll could do over the years on our behalf. Uh, and uh, keep up the good work. And hopefully some of us will see you on Tuesday evening. With that, That's brilliant, John. That's lovely. Thanks a lot now, Karen. God bless you now. Bye-bye Thank now. you. Bye-bye. So Bye. to finish off our second part of the programme this morning, uh, we have a p- piece of music. And this one is entitled um, Make Me a Channel of Your Peace. And this was actually um, the BBC Two's Choirist of the Year uh, piece of music. And it's two young people, Raphael Balamy Place and Ishia Gooda. But it's a beautiful piece of music. Make me a channel of your peace. So let's say this. Sacred Space. Now, to start off this part of the program, let's listen to a piece of music by Melinda Dimitriscu, Jesus, I Believe. 
welcome back again to the third part of Sacred Space. My name is John Keeley. Thank you again for staying with us, and a thanks again to Karen Casey for sharing that news in regard to the Trokra Parish uh, Volunteer Programme. So, at this part of the programme is where we read and reflect on the Word of God, and before that, Anne is going to pray this prayer for us that we're before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thank you, Anne. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander. But we may give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, he used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for that, Anne. So the Gospel for today, the fourth Sunday, is the Gospel from Mark, uh, chapter 1, verse 21 to 28. Jesus and his followers went as far as Capernaum. And as soon as the Sabbath came, Jesus went to the synagogue and began to teach. And his teaching made a deep impression on them because, unlike the scribes, He taught them with authority. In their synagogue just then, there was a man possessed by an unclean spirit, and it shouted, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus said sharply, Be quiet, come out of him. And the unclean spirit threw the man into convulsions, and with a loud cry went out of him. The people were so astonished that they started asking each other what it all meant. Here is a teaching that is new, they said, and with authority behind it, he gave orders even to unclean spirits, and they obey him. And his reputations rapidly spread everywhere, through all the surrounding Galilean countryside. That's the Gospel for today, the fourth Sunday in Ordinary Time, and again it's taken from Mark. And this morning, Lorraine's going to share a little bit of a reflection with us. Thanks for Well, I think you'll find we'll all share a little bit of a reflection this morning, John. <laughs> of course, this morning's gospel follows on immediately from last week's gospel. Last week, we had the call of the four. And this week, we see that the gospel begins with Jesus and his disciples, the four lads that he'd called, went as far as Capernaum. And as soon as the Sabbath came, he went to the synagogue and began to teach. And his teaching made a deep impression on them because unlike the scribes who were the lawyers, the people who knew the law inside out, unlike them, he taught them with authority. And that's worth reflecting on a little bit. To teach with authority. How did Jesus teach with authority and the scribes who knew the law inside out? didn't teach with authority. Hmm. And here we're beginning to see the divinity of Jesus coming out more and more in that first paragraph and then in the second paragraph. 
because Jesus can speak with authority because he is God. He can speak with authority because he is the one who gave us the law. He is the one. He is the word of God. He is the son of God who has given us that word. He is the father's most perfect word we read in the catechism. So Jesus can speak with authority because he is the lawgiver. He is the one who gives us the word of God. And then we have this, what might seem like a very strange account to us today. In their synagogue, there was a man possessed by an unclean spirit and it shouted, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? So even there is a recognition amongst those spirits, the unclean spirits, that Jesus is divine Mm. because the unclean spirit through the man who is possessed says, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Mm. Holy One of God. So there is a recognition that there is something greater than just the scribes here. But Jesus rebukes the spirit and says, be quiet, come out of him. And the people again were so astonished, they started asking each other what it all meant. Here is a teaching that is new, they said, and with authority behind it. He gives orders even to unclean spirits and they obey him. And that was a sign, a a kind of a pointing to the authority that he had, that he has command over the spirits, Mm. the unclean spirits. Mm. Elsewhere in the gospel, you'll see that he has commands over the elements. You know, he calms the storm. He has command over... um, making people better. You know, mm, he, mm, he raises Lazarus, he heals the sick. And they're all signs of one thing, the divinity of Jesus. And why does Jesus come to us? Well, we have that right on our entrance antiphon for today. It comes from Psalm 105. Save us, O Lord, our God. That's why Jesus came to us. Yeah. Jesus came to us to save us. Have you any thoughts on the gospel this morning, uh, Shane? <coughs> Yeah, um, as you said, John, or sorry, Lorraine, it continues on from last week's gospel very much so. Um, it's an unusual one. Mark's gospel is 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 a punchy kind of a gospel. It, the pace of it, as we've said before, it moves quite it moves along quite quickly. Um, there's only sixteen chapters to 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 um, Matthew's gospel, and that whole issue that comes out in this week's gospel, of course, is Jesus preaching with authority and then proving his, as you said, proving his authority with that first healing that first miracle that's done. But I suppose if we want to bring it back in terms of to our, our, ourselves today, and we want to see, well, in teaching with authority, what does that mean? You know, we look around and there are people in positions of leadership that try to, you know, that are supposed to lead by example. And the question is, do we as, as you know, as the public, do we as people, do we as followers of, say, in a church context, do we, ex- you know, accept the teaching that comes from them? And what we what the, what I suppose you're looking for here is also a sense of sincerity and validity and truth, because you know it when someone is speaking, <clears throat> they're talking about something they really understand, they're passionate about, they know what they're talking about. You know instinctively what it what it is that they're saying, and that you know you you respond to that uh, realistic interpretation. And I suppose that is one thing that comes out of this this week's gospel is that. Jesus was preaching on the Sabbath day, and the people, you know, could hear his truthfulness, his sincerity in what he was saying. And of course, that links back in to the understanding that he was expounding on the law and the prophets, which of course makes sense because if we link it through to John's gospel, Jesus is the Word, he is the Logos, he is the incarnate Word, he is the Word made flesh. 
<clears throat> and it's 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 you know and you know it is that whole relationship that you know the law and the prophets were the expression of the relationship between God and the people of Israel. So between Jesus as God and the people of Israel, if you like, and it's that whole idea, <clears throat> you know, that he is there. He is teaching with 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 this new sort of authority. Um, and he's not teaching so much with, because he wanted to, but because you know because he, he has to. It's who he is, and he has come to speak with the authority of God. And he speaks in such a way that you know people know his words have a transforming meaning. And then we move on to the next section where that's that whole idea of the first healing. And it's interesting again that even the spirits recognize his authority. He's teaching his his, his and who he is. Because ultimately, this comes back to the question of who is who was Jesus? What was who was this man that appeared in Galilee two thousand years ago? You know, this has been something that the church has discussed and debated for centuries. Um, I'm currently reading a book, actually, at the moment called "The Jesus Wars," which discusses the whole uh, dis- dis- discussion in the early church in the first five hundred first five centuries of understanding the role of Jesus as both man and God, and how we've come to an understanding of his role in our salvation history. <clears throat> and it is that whole dynamic that Mark presents for us this morning. But in terms of looking at it from the point of view of our lives, I suppose the question is, well, where do we hear the word of God? Where do we hear the voice, the silent whisper of the Lord speaking with authority in our day-to-day lives? And that may not necessarily be, you know, for some people it may not, it, it could obviously be in church or praying on scripture, which is obviously one of the key ways to encounter it. But always to remember, as we say on the program, to be open and aware to those divine moments in our lives where the small, still voice of the Lord speaks to our hearts. And there's something for us to be conscious of on this Sunday morning. John, have you entered? Thanks for that, Shane. Yeah, um... Yeah, there's, there's, there's something that got me right in the first paragraph there, um, similar to what both of you just mentioned. And his teaching made a deep impression on them, unlike the scribes. He taught them with authority. And I was thinking, like, for a long time, uh, over the last 10 or 15 years anyway, I made a point of listening to sermons. Some impressed me, others didn't. Uh, but years ago, I, I always uh, used to tune into Mass and the radio to listen to the sermon. And then I was wondering now, really what sort of drew me to that? And really what drew me to the sermons were those sermons that when I realised that the sermon made a connection between my life and the gospel. Of course, the priest was preaching the sermon on how the gospel message was affecting our lives. But I didn't really realise that until it took me some time to to cop out to the fact that a lot of what Jesus is saying in the gospels... um, makes a lot of sense to me anyway and it, it impressed me and uh, in more recent times I've gone to lecture Divine as people know uh, Monday night with Father Frank Dewick uh, 8.15 to 9.15 in the Paris Centre in Newcastle West and again the Sunday Gospel is broken open and what Father Frank always asks us to do see where the connection is between our lives and what Jesus is saying in the 21st century I mean Jesus was speaking 2,000 years ago but it's a f- it really has a deep a deep effect on our own lives at the moment and, and probably speaks to us about how our lives should be lived and sometimes how our, live, uh, how our lives are lived. And it just struck me there that, that this whole idea about his teaching made a deep impression on them. Well, certainly there's 
the Gospels can tell us, they can challenge us, or they can encourage us. Maybe we should ask ourselves this morning, as Shane just suggested there, maybe we should ask ourselves this morning, has the Word of God impressed us? Do we think it has anything to do with our lives? Well, maybe worth thinking about this week, and that's really why we have this important part, this third part of the of the program each week at the time we do the last part of the program. Hopefully, that's the, the the part of the gospel that we're relating to this week and reading this week and reflecting on this week will have some effect on people's lives. It might challenge them, it might encourage them, but it'll certainly give us an awful lot of hope. Anyway, it, that brings it about to the end of the programme. Thanks again, indeed, guys, for coming on. You had a, kind of an easy week this week because <laughs> we had um, somebody off from Troca taking a number of months, but maybe we might make it up next week. Or the John, week. I have an easy week every <laughs> week because Shane does most of the work for me. Uh, well, don't worry. That, that, uh, that, uh, yes, anyway, Shane, say no more about that. In the meantime, we might say uh, thanks a lot to all of our listeners for listening to us, uh, especially for Karen, Karen Casey from Troca, for, for joining us this morning. And to, to let us know about that meeting taking care, place in the in the woodlands, 7pm on Tuesday next. And the, if you want to find out more about Trocra, their website is trocra.org. And again, you can contact Karen via Trocra in Maynooth, or you can contact Noreen Lynch in the Pastoral Centre, which is 061-400-133. No excuses, guys. Okay, we'll go for our final piece of music. And of course, that piece of the gospel today also... Um, you know, when, when, when we read about the unclean spirits uh, affecting the man and, and Jesus calling him out, maybe this is a nice bit of uh, music to finish off the programme. This one is entitled Jesus the Healer. In the meantime, thank you indeed for joining us and please join us again next week. From Lorraine, Anne and Shane. God bless you all now. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye.
sacred space.